Hello there, and welcome to Leftovers. Hey there, and good afternoon on this uh, beautiful sunny summer day of uh, August. It's the 11th of August today. Um, thank you for one of the one or two comments sent to me. Um, I didn't expect to get any feedback, <laughs> so thank you very much. It, you know, I often feel this is sort of um, medicinal, the way I record a podcast nowadays. It's more a case of just throwing thoughts into the abyss and um, realizing that there's somebody in the abyss listening to these thoughts and giving me some feedback. Uh, it was quite amazing. Um, I try not to get on any particular pedestal just simply because I'm just a regular Joe, so to speak, um, and uh, I try to have an open mind, absorb information, I like to read, um, and with this information I try to make opinions, um, and I also know that it's possible that those opinions might move like sand in the wind in the desert. Um, not saying that I'm changing opinions every day, but with more and more information you tend to have a slight shift. And I don't mean change, I mean just a shift into uh, having more knowledge on the subject and thus making a more, or if you feel you're making a more clarified opinion on those subjects. Um, anyway, the question I got was very simply, is the US still involved in Syria? I'm afraid it is, it very much is. In fact, right now in the United States, there is a, hmm, a misinformation, disinformation war, I wouldn't say war debate, where quite a few journalists who are known for their uh, in-depth Syria reporting are now being told that they're Russian-backed reporters. Um, I mean, you know, if, you've, if you're familiar with the McCarthyite scenario um, where they were looking for Reds, and you know, movie producers and the likes. Um, I think even including Charlie Chaplin, you know, all fled um, persecution kind of thing. And now looking back, always when we look back with hindsight, we realize that it was nine point nine out of ten times political maneuverability of the situation at the time and not wanting certain narratives to come out. Um, and um, so that's what sort of happened then, and it's not not happening now. It is most definitely happening, regardless of whatever subject you can choose. Pick one out of the sky. The Pentagon announcing UFOs, which is going to be a, a little bit of my discussion in the next podcast, because I find that quite fascinating. Um, so I'll leave that for now. But, you know, there are narratives on nearly any subject you can think of. Um, a fascinating story I dived into this last week was the, I mean, when you call things conspiracy nowadays, two, three years ago, four years ago, I would have been, oh yes, def these conspiracy people are just nuts, regardless. But having seen how things have changed, narratives and 
what do you call these um, labels have been slopped on people for just having a different opinion and called all sorts of things. That's made me really rethink. I mean, yes. Do I believe that there was a, you know, big thing about 9-11 and that they planned it and it was an inside job and all that? No, I don't believe that. Um, is it possible? Sure. Why not? But do I believe it? No, I don't have that kind of information to make any clear judgment on that. All I have is the information of what happened on the day in the news, etc., that I saw. And that's where my opinion is drawn from. Um, so yes, right now in, in Syria, I mean, there is definitely two sides to the story. I am no in-depth journalist, but of course you have the Syrian regime backed by Russia on the one side um, and the so-called rebels on the other side backed by the U.S. Um, I think France is on the Russian side, which is quite bizarre. Um, I mean, when I looked online to look into this a bit more, I went down quite a few different rabbit holes, which had various varying different sides to the story. But um, regardless of what I read, I'm pretty sure that not everything I read was 100% accurate. But having said that, there's always smoke where there's fire. So I'll leave that to you to dissect and dive down a rabbit hole yourself. <laughs> Good luck with that. But yes, they are. Thanks for that question. Um, uh, journalists, there are, I mean, the journalist that's being famously put down at the moment about this whole scenario is the famous, um, I've forgotten his name, uh, Mate, uh, his son, Aaron Mate, uh, who's uh, been writing a lot about uh, Syria um, and was uh, a leading proponent of the idea that it wasn't the Syrian regime that had those gas bombing stories um, and that it was um, something else. And uh, so that's sort of where that started. But uh, he is a very good in-depth journalist on any subject. And without massive big donors and money coming in, he's to me, a little bit more credible just simply because of the fact that he sort of has subscriber-donated supporters and not big-funded think tanks, etc., which can only tell you that the possibility of it being true is slightly higher than someone who's paid hundreds, thousands, millions, hundreds of millions um, to, uh, to support certain narratives. So I'll leave that there. Um, and again, I'm not a journalist. Um, these are just talking points at this stage. Uh, but yes, I would lean towards that and um, I would look him up. And anyway, go down the rabbit hole, see what you can find, because I'm sure that the mainstream media has uh, some interesting takes on it. But I'm pretty sure that if being a South African myself, uh, like in the Lethal Weapon movies, all South Africans were bad at that time um, and unfamiliar un, uh, to uh, I am familiar with this next topic uh, which is Sanna Marin who's the Prime Minister of Finland uh, announced yesterday that um, she thinks that all Russian tourists should be banned from the United, from the EU and all I can say to that is I don't know that just doesn't sound right I don't think it's Russians that are bad it's their leadership um, it's their you know Parliament or whatever you would call it in, in Russia, uh, there is a name for it. 
<clears throat> excuse me, I'm not a Russian expert, but um, sure, whether that's what they're doing is right or wrong, or et cetera, et cetera. Of course, I think uh, invading any sovereign nation is bad. But because I believe in that, I have to say that any nation that invades a sovereign nation is bad. So I will load that answer um, by standing by the point. So uh, leadership in Russia are definitely the guilty ones, but not the Russian people. I don't know if that's a wise decision. In fact, I'm pretty sure with the country that's bordered to and has lived off great profits from tourism, um, etc., we will be uh, the loser on that side because the Russian people are not the guilty party. Whether they get all the right information or news or not, and you could question, why aren't they doing anything against this? Will they be hearing what you hear in the news from your media uh, point of view? No, they won't be. In little town Russia, they won't be getting that kind of news. So you can't blame them. They'll be getting what their state wants them to hear. And being from myself, from South Africa, where, you know, media narratives were controlled for many a year. And being in the South African Defense Force once upon a time and, uh, and having on the opposite side sort of Russian uh, military hardware, uh, what do you call it, military um, advice, even um, some officers and overseers, Cubans, East Germans, etc. in Angola. In Africa, um, I'll go back to the sovereignty point again. Um, you know, it's all, <laughs> we're all chess pieces, man. We're all chess pieces, every one of us. Even just Joe going to, to work at McDonald's and working a second job uh, as a security guard or whatever the case is. We're all just being, we're just chess pieces to somebody. And we shouldn't be because my belief is that we're a community and, um, I'm going to talk a bit later in this podcast about collectives because I think that's important as a way, uh, in my opinion, as a way forward. But anyway, so that's what's happening. Um, so if you want to look up, there's the, I think it was the Washington Post and a few others have got articles about Syrian, the hidden war in Syria, etc. Uh, over the last few years, look them up. Uh, you will see varying points of view from how terrible the regime is to why the American soldiers still there uh, guarding the oil fields, etc. When they're not, when those oil fields don't belong to them. Whoops, I didn't mean to drop that, but I'm just saying. Anyway, um, another interesting article uh, that I'm going to bring up on my screen here that you can't see that I thought was was interesting. Uh, and that's that there, there was a, a recent meeting of the Billionaire Club. Uh, this Billionaire Club has been nicknamed the Good Club. And it includes some of the most famous people in the world. And of course, it's an initiative by our very own tech, friendly little neighborly student old man with his uh, student jerseys and 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 glasses, uh, sort of preppy, university preppy old man, uh, Bill Gates, um, and uh, has, uh, I think it's Soros and Buffett and Bloomberg and Ted Turner and Oprah Winfrey, so sort of uh, media moguls as well as billionaires and how they can 
Let me read this, this point here. It says, have secretly met to consider how their wealth could be used to slow the growth of the world's population. Wow. Overpopulation. Yeah, let's, we need less people, just more billionaires. Come on, man, you need to help us get less people. In fact, we just need some more people to help work in our warehouses and stuff. But the rest of those people, we don't need. You know, we don't need those. And uh, I don't know. It's just very much like a Dr. Evil role in an Austin Powers movie. So um, I found that, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm sort of now in tech and I'm, I find myself conflicted, much like I did last week with the left and right uh, labeling and, and uh, points of view, in that I like tech. I want tech to be great and cutting edge. And then I see stories like this and I'm like, what? Why? You've got everything. You've got everything, money, everything you could imagine, freedom, property, money, cars, whatever, whatever tickles your fancy, boats. You want to own islands, I'm sure you own islands too. Um, you know, so I don't know what more, yeah, well, I do know what more they could probably want, and that's power. But anyway, let's move on. The socialist in me is catching up again, you know. Um, and uh, we have a new uh, announcement here in, in Finland that uh, grocery stores are going to be shutting down half time during the winter um, or cutting down on their hours and housing or ha homes are being asked to cut down a few hours a day and black out so that they can conserve energy. And all of a sudden the energy crisis globally is like taking on a whole new The lockdowns, the, the virus, oh, the war, the Ukraine, Russia's bad, oh, oh, energy problem. I don't know. It's like we're walking from one disaster into another. You would think it even sounds planned. It's just, if this all was spread out, I would be like, oh, damn, we've got an energy crisis. What is it? Why? Oh, what, what have we overused? And why isn't there enough of something? What's going on? Is it the climate change uh, push where we're getting people off fossil fuels and we're moving to a new thing. If that was the case, explain it to people. Hey, we're moving over. This, it's going to be a bit painful for the first six months or a year, but it's gonna, this is what's going to happen. But you don't hear anything like that. It's like with the, the outbreak of the pandemic. There wasn't like, hey, this is how you must look after your health. This is how you must get fresh air. These are the vitamins you need to be taking. These are the foods you need to be eat. If you're obese and diabetic and you're like 90% of the people who are dying we recommend you change your diet we recommend you do certain things it's like the same thing why aren't we explaining why there are energy why is there an energy crisis because if you say it's because of russia it was starting long before russia came people were putting up prices all the time that's just here in finland so the uk have announced a similar thing that they're cutting down electricity and having power cuts in the winter And why would they choose winter to do this and not the summer when the sun's out all day? Um, I'm just saying, I'm throwing these thought bombs out there that if we're going to be preserving energy, why don't we all switch off the power in the summer from at our homes from 10 o'clock or just leave the fridge on, obviously. Everything else, switch off from 10 o'clock until 4 o'clock. When we come home, we switch everything on again or whatever. And that would already save a couple of hours a day or whatever the case is. 
but you don't even have that discussion. It's just like we have energy and the next second, oh, we're not going to have energy and it's because of Russia, right? We're going to be changing all of these things. You're going to have to live without these things and that's a big announcement. And I'm like, whoa, 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 where was the middle ground that, hey, we might have an energy crisis. This is what we all need to start doing. Nope, not happening. So I don't know. That might be something worth investigating. Anyway, so that was the a few topics that I was just throwing out into the abyss. <laughs> and now that I know there's one or two people out there listening, I'm wondering if I should pick my words and thoughts a bit better. But anyway. Um, please take them with a pinch of salt. It's me and my thoughts. Um, and it's what I've read. Um, I try not to read the BBC, CNN, etc., just simply because I know they're all paid for by massive donors. Um, I try to look for smaller, uh, independent journalists, you know, um, and get feedback from them that have subscribers. Um, Matt Taibbi, for example, in the States, great journalist to follow, um, Aaron Mate, uh, um, let's see, uh, what's his name? Uh, blah, 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 I've forgotten the names now, off the top of my head, but I'll tell you in a few minutes, if I remember. Uh, <clears throat> um, now it's bothering me that I've forgotten. Anyway, another off political discussion, because I don't always want to discuss politics. It's just unfortunate that the world is like that right now. Um, being a natural person myself, I was listening to a podcast the other day and there was a doctor called Zach Bush. Um, you might want to look up. He often spoke when I was uh, doing climate activism about the amount of soil uh, or nutrients in the agricultural soil and how long the earth has of those nutrients, where if we keep using the insecticides, pesticides that uh, farmers are being sort of forced to use, uh, hello, Canadian and Dutch farmers being told that they must use them up until now. Anyway, I know that um, uh, if they lose their farms and the big co corporations take over, over, that they're going to be like trying to do organic farming. I doubt it very much. Um, anyway, so um, the point was, and I don't want to go back into the politics, but the point was he had an interesting point um, that I loved when I heard it about the death experience. Now, this might sound like a real, I'm breaking everything down now. We're going to be, we're, well, I mean, we can't go further down from politics, let's face it. But anyway, the, the death experience. And what happens is in general, if once you get really ill and you're in hospital, the doctors or the medical teams decide, oh, well, this person has now reached a point where we can't help them. We're just going to make them comfortable. And... Um, and let them go. So you need to make your end of life plans and um, say your goodbyes. It's all very depressing. And um, in a way, it's depriving the person who's about to leave this realm, this earth or this uh, skin that they're wearing at, the, at, that, at this point in time, uh, depriving them of a very important moment. And Dr. Bush talks about this and... Uh, I wanted to bring it up. It's about those moments just before when a person's dying and you're closing, you're just about to close your eyes, that there is a very big moment, whether it's a psychological moment, a spiritual moment, a combination. It's a realization. It's an understanding. It's um, where everything 
make sense for just a few seconds or a minute or two, whatever it is, where you realize why you were here, what you were doing here, what it was for, what the journey was, what it entailed. And before you go, you know, those moments. And generally, people are deprived of those moments because they're so drugged. They're just in a deep sleep on morphine and, they're, and they go without realizing having these amazing moments. And I wanted to say that it's because although very depressing, it is a very, very big spiritual moment in my opinion. A realization of what I would expect to happen is a realization that the world is not about work and jobs and fame and fortune and recognition and chasing the cheese you know what did i achieve i made these millions i created the coat hanger um, i'm a billionaire i'm not a billionaire i worked hard i brought up my kids well they've made they're making good decisions and they'll live after me and i, and I understand all of that we should all be thinking about those things well n n minus the fame and fortune and what did I make and all that stuff because that's not it is not important you might think it is unless it's fundamentally life-changing for humanity in my opinion it does not matter the whole realization that we as a human being the sort of millions of humans on this planet the realization that we're all connected and that we're all subconsciously, you know how they say that there is the missing link of uh, sort of the Neanderthal and humans and how the Neanderthal brain had one lobe and then two lobes and with the evolution and there's a missing link why they all of a sudden were burying the dead and mourning their dead. Whereas before they were just eat, sleep, kill, eat, sleep, kill make babies etc there was a very basic understanding to to survival and uh, making babies meant more tribe members that could hunt and add to the com community you know but outside of that when the missing link happened they started to bury their dead and mourn the loss of somebody etc there was a lot more feeling involved and our temporal lobes uh, grew and uh, I think we started to develop uh, the brain of what we have today. But the changeover from the one to the other was quite sudden in the greater scheme of things when you, evolution happened over billions of years. Um, that changeover was quite quick in the greater time scale of things. And, and that's why it's called the missing link. Um, and of course, there are many updates to this happening all the time with regards to to humanity. Uh, I won't go into that because that's a fascinating discussion on its own. But the last moment, that last moment when you realize that we're actually all connected and that we're supposed to be caring about each other because subconsciously, once your mind clicks over evolutionary wise to the next level of understanding, it's when we've been able to think of others before ourselves. And I think that unlocking of more of the subconscious mind than the power that we would have inside that we don't even realize how special we are is that moment is when you realize it all 
is that we should have been working together more. We should have been helping each other more. We should have been peace talking instead of uh, fighting. We should have been lifting up instead of poking. We should have been empowering instead of stealing resources of other countries and nations and putting people down or whatever the case is. All the reasons for war is somebody wanting more. I mean, it was the first, what is it they say, that the first agriculture Everybody started growing grain. And then there was one guy that was like, oh, man, I need to grow more grain. I want to have double the grain. So I don't even need to think about if I've got enough food for the for the winter. And instead of thinking of the community that we ordered enough grain to get through and some, there was people started to hoard. And that's where it all began. That's where that's where capitalism began right back in that day. And um, I think our materialism and capitalism and I'm not against capitalism where if you've got a great idea, you should make some money, etc., etc. But I do believe the fundamental, the fundamental worth of money is not what it is supposed to be. It should be what you contribute to the society. We should be all being more trained in contributing roles to society. Like everyone's talking about, oh, AI is going to take over lawyers and accountants and it's going to take over this and that. And there's going to be few, there's going to be no cash registers in the shops. I go to the store every day up the road from my house. I never use the self-checkout counter. And the reason why is because I want the staff there to keep their jobs. Because if we all use the checkout count, the self-checkout counter, the five or six people that work at the S market or K market or whatever your store is called, will be four people or three people or two people because they won't need them all. And they will be like, oh, all these people on unemployment, they must get a job. They must get a job. And we're not doing anything to help keep their jobs in the first place. We're like, oh, self-checkout. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I need to clean my plates. They don't need restaurant stuff. I'll just clean my plates. No, it shouldn't be that way. We should all have a role, whether it's plate cleaning or haircutting, or whatever the case is, the community needs everybody. Every role should be important. No one should be underpaid or undervalued. Anyway, that's me jumping into my on my political on my political step again. But the whole idea that the collective consciousness that we as a human species could evolve even further and unlock the most amazing potential won't happen until we realize that we should be thinking about we. And not me. And that moment before death is when I put all money that I have in this world, which is not much at all. I would bet on that as being what's going to happen in those final moments. So uh, what do you think? I don't know. Let me know if I mean, now that I've got a message, um, uh, just actually, I don't even know how you got me that message. Was it through Anchor? Uh, or was it my Facebook, the, the leftovers? I, I can't remember now. Anyway, um, I, I must have a look. But um, anyway, uh, if, if not, I will, in my next podcast, figure out a way that you can. Um, now it's giving me an indication that it must be someone that knows that I do this podcast. That's why I got the message. Anyway, um, so that was my last point. Um, was about the collective consciousness um, and co-ops in general. I mean, think about Africa. Think about people arrived in Africa and said, oh, no, Africans. Do you know that Africans were very good farmers before we arrived there? But we Europeans or whoever we were when we first arrived, they were like, no, 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 no. 
you need to farm like this and it needs to be much bigger and you need to use these things and it's going to be much more profitable. Go on. And they were like, no, no, we can grow cabbage and we can do this for our community and it's enough. We don't need to grow more. No, no, you do. You do. In fact, if you come and work for us, <laughs> uh, that, that's just Africa. Okay, but think of that in a bigger sense globally and how we've sort of convinced everybody that following the cheese and making money and all the rest of that was much more important than um, thinking of the community and each other and our health and our well-being and our uh, dignity in what we do and how we can make sure that everybody has dignity. Um, yeah, so I think um, capitalism sort of ran amok and it's got to the point where, um, as you can see around us, we've got energy crises, food shortages. Um, it's not because of one war in Ukraine. It's definitely not. It was happening before. I have got a strong feeling, and I'm going to throw this as a last point out there, and you might want to research this, but I have a very strong feeling that a majority of the European governments in, this, in Europe, including the country where I am, have got problems with their pension funds and that the majority of that money has been lost. And um, it's only through crises that they can maybe reset that uh, scenario to say, oh, no, you don't, have, you don't have to worry about paying off this or that because uh, actually we can't pay you a, a pension fund anymore either because we lost that. So um, we're going to trial. We're going to trial things to, to make sure you can get some money. I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking about that. It's a bit, it's a bit out there. Or is it? I don't know. Maybe people have discussed this already. Um, but, um, yep. That's the that's the times we live in. Um, that's that's where we are. Uh, I want to thank you for listening to this uh, random thought bomb throwing of mine. Um, I'm thinking about how I can structure this and do it. And I'm not saying because I want followers or listeners or clicks or likes or links. Um, but at this point, it's for my own health um, to keep my my brain stimulated. Um, and uh, my thought process is rolling. So I want to thank you for listening to Leftovers today. And um, looking forward to the next one uh, where I've already got some thoughts on um, UFOs. And yep, I've even got a, uh, went down a podcast and listened to a fascinating podcast and started to read some articles on the Titanic, which I think you're going to find a laugh. Um, again, um, they're just thoughts and um, it's just interesting I like putting pieces of puzzles together and and uh, thinking on different subjects, whether they're uh, what they're about and making my own assumptions. I don't want to be told what my assumption should be. God forbid. Um, thank you very much once again. And uh, this has been a bit of a longer version, but uh, I appreciate you sticking around this long if you have managed to stick around this long. And um, we'll see you in the next one. So uh, have a good one. Be cool, be open-minded, investigate, and uh, uh, hopefully you'll throw a few thought bombs out there yourself. Have a good one. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.